Hello everyone and welcome to Art City on WMSE. This is Mary Louise Schumacher. I'm the art and architecture critic at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Here in Milwaukee, culture has become a driving force in a new story that's being told about the place where we live. This new half-hour radio show will both celebrate and question the ways in which Milwaukee aspires to be an art city. Some may know Art City as the name of my column and my blog, but it's also a community of really smart people, artists, critics, curators, architects, and designers who contribute to that coverage. You can expect to hear from a number of them and other guests on this show. Today, we're talking about art circles. The Shepherd Express has launched a long-term project to map Milwaukee's art scene graphically. I am joined in this discussion by Jennifer Johung, a contemporary art and architecture historian at UWM, and Deborah Bremer, the owner of the Portrait Society Gallery here in Milwaukee. Also, Adam Carr catches up with artist Fred Stonehouse, who's recently curated a tattoo-inspired show. Okay, let's get started. Let's just jump right in and have a conversation about art circles. So the Shepherd Express has just posted to its website a, an interactive graphic that essentially maps out Milwaukee's art community. Um, and Jennifer, Deb, and I have taken a look at that. And what you see when you look at this on your screen is essentially a series of dots, and each dot represents a person. And then there are lines connecting those dots to other dots or other people. And at the moment, anyway, it's they kind of look like flowers or stars. You have one person at the center of each kind of cluster of activity and then all of that person's um, connections. And they're not really interlocking beyond that too much yet. It's important to note that um, this is a freshly launched project. It's intended to be a long-term project. The idea is that people would go online, enter information about their own networks, and this whole thing would kind of flesh out over time. Essentially what this is doing is it's describing the art scene in Milwaukee as something we already know, a social network. In the age of Facebook and Twitter, you know, it sort of makes sense that um, it would be described in that kind of organic way. Um, some of the people that have risen to the surface already as kind of hubs or really influential nodes in this graphic are people like Peggy Christensen of Insight, which is a temporary public art organization, Ashley Janke of the Neighbor Gallery, and Karen Wolf, who interestingly enough is the arts administrator in Madison. Um, and you can click and drag the dots around. One of the things I love about this is you can kind of put your mouse right on top of somebody and then drag them across the screen and take their whole group of friends with them like a group of balloons across the screen. Um, what were what were some of your impressions? Deb, do you want to jump in? Sure. <clears throat> um, well, at first I thought that it looked a little, that it didn't reveal much. You know, it was these random seemingly hubs um, and everybody was in their own little sphere, and there weren't a lot of interconnections. And it, and I was questioning, you know, he picked in the visual arts community three, three main hubs, Peggy and Ashley and Karen Wolf, and it those seemed like you know, interesting people to branch out from, mm -hmm. but that there could have been fifty others, right. 
And so that just sort of gave us such a random start to all of this. But then I thought, well, maybe that's kind of nice that he picked three people who wouldn't necessarily be the obvious, obvious choices. And that's a place to start. But at least there's some interconnecting spheres in the art community. And and I do feel that that, um, there is a lot of collaboration in visual arts. Over on the other side of the page is the music world. And, and it should be noted, you're looking at the, the print edition I'm looking of this. at the printed yeah. issue. And and that exists as a, as a separate sphere from the visual arts. Right. Like, there's no lines that connect any of it, which is probably, I, I'm sure that there really are, but he just didn't do it. But personally, my epiphany from this is I look at the sphere um, that, that, that emanates from Jill Anna Panasik, who is the Milwaukee Opera Theater mm-hmm. um, director, and I don't know any of those people yeah. in that performing world. Yeah. I don't know any of them. And I thought, wow, this is revealing because right. that's that's a bit of a problem. I had a similar experience, mm-hmm. too. There's a lot of, I think, 10 to 15 percent of the people that have participated so far, according to James, are from the visual art world. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of performance mm-hmm. in this. But I have to say, and she's this, you know, hub person I don't know that much about her so I you know and the question I have though is do you think mm-hmm. that these communities are that separate in reality I mean I do you know performance the performing art world is separate but there's some crossover too so I wonder you know what do you feel about the way the you know Jen maybe you want to mm-hmm. jump in on this the way these circles look kind of just separate on the page right and and for me being somewhat although it's been five years, I'll still say somewhat a newcomer (laughs) to Milwaukee. It still feels like that. Um, You know, I look at this map as more of a visual image, and it speaks to these different spatial sites where people, artists, organizers, administrators, um, performers might be able to come together, say, in the Mm -hmm. city. Um, So for me, the separation between a lot of these circles, I read that as, you know, it's like a different location. You're at the opera house, and you're not in this certain gallery, or you're on this street and not that street. Um, when in reality, if you actually look at a map of the city, per se, you'll see that uh, these sites are actually really close together. And I am really interested to see, um, you know, what would happen if, say, a potential line yeah. got drawn, at least in terms of spatially, right. right, between some of these different performing arts people and visual arts people. You know, I do think that those kinds of collaborations those do exist. geographies, yeah. And I right. do know that there, there are plans to incorporate geographic information Mm. so that neighborhoods, you know, will become part of this. So we'll not only be able to discover that performing arts circle that we don't know, but maybe we'll get to see, you know, where the hot spots are and where we're not going, where we're not looking for art. That would be so, that would be so interesting. That would be so valuable, right? Yeah, exactly. So what would you love to learn? I mean, one Mm. of the things I would love to learn from all of this is, you know, where are the, where are the people that maybe are at the crossroads of ideas mm. that are hubs of influence that I don't know about. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things I would love to see from this is if you really can chart all of the connections, you know, where, where are the crossroads? Who are the people right. with the ideas that are really spreading in Milwaukee that maybe we don't know about? You right. know? Or maybe people who got somehow left off because the time frame was a little, you know, maybe they right. were super influential, mm-hmm. I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and the influence is still there in some of these newer people, but we can't see that because this is kind of a snapshot in time as well. Right. Um, so I wonder about that. You know, some people, too, they're influential as makers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's other people influential as presenters right. mm-hmm. and there's other people who are really influential as 
viewers, visitors, thinkers, talkers. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it would, I, you know, it would be kind sure. of fun to color code some of this. Yeah. And, you know, we had talked a little bit about, um, you know, the, the MoMA chart. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. want to introduce that. Sure, okay. yeah. Um, so there was a really kind of epic exhibition at the Museum of Modern Art last year called Inventing Abstraction. And they did something really interesting. They, riffing off of the famous Alfred Barr um, graphic that kind of attempts to describe the invention of cubism and abstraction, which was kind of a, this movement begat that movement begets this movement kind of mm -hmm. thing, which, you know, we all know to be very old-fashioned now. Mm -hmm. they, they did something very similar, I think, to what James is doing, but on a really high level. So they, for, for one thing, they define the 100 most influential abstract uh, um, artists within the, the movement. Mm -hmm. And they charted who knew who, how they knew each other, what kind of contact they had with each other. You know, they figured out, like, who went on road trips with each other, who was writing letters to each other. It was really intense. And then they created this graphic that, so for instance, if you had a lot of connections, your little dot, your mm -hmm. node, was much bigger than everybody mm. else. And if your influence was perhaps more stronger, then the line of connection oh. was thicker. I mean, they re there was an enormous amount of interpretation that went into that mm. that is not going into a project like this. Mm. Now, that took, you know, scholars from Columbia, an entire graphic design firm. Like, it was a really, you know, that was really hard to do. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, there there is that interpretation there, and there are these these interconnections that we don't see yet anyway in right. this map so mm -hmm. right yeah and that's interesting to me too to tie the MoMA show to this uh, map here is you know to think about you know teach contemporary art history and, and now we don't tell stories like you know someone begat some movement mm -hmm. begat something mm -hmm. but it is this really complicated web and it oftentimes happens because two people ended up having a conversation not within a similar medium yeah. you know across say the performing arts and you know painting or something like right. that um, yeah. so the stories now historically are being told laterally um, and I'm often looking for visuals like this to, you know, show to see that it's much more complicated yeah. than a kind of linear story. So in the in the MoMA story, you know, and it was interesting. So you went to this show, and it was just like this massive show. And mm -hmm. you walk in, and instead of this giant wall of didactics, which you normally get, right? You go into a museum, mm -hmm. you see this huge wall of words. You had this map of these people. Mm -hmm. There were no words at all. <sighs> it was just this map, and you had to kind of like figure it out. So that was, you know, really interesting. But you know, I don't know. I, I hope that there is some deeper way to kind of take a really what is a really ambitious idea that mm -hmm. the shepherd has started. I have to say, mm -hmm. I was kind of professionally jealous when I first saw it. I was like, <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? I was like, I don't know right. all these people. <laughs> yeah, I don't so know all of them. Yeah. Um, well, these graph graphics show us a lot of information in a different way. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they're useful in they that are. sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether it's accurate or not accurate, it's a different way to absorb these worlds. Mm -hmm. So if it continues to grow, it might actually start to tell us more about yeah, our more. community. Definitely. I'm curious to see what kind of a visual picture hmm. is created after more and more people participate in it lines because that MoMA chart was such a beautiful structural image. Mm -hmm. Did you remember it? It was mm -hmm. like it was a net. So much yeah, right. a net in kind of like it formed almost a kite shape. Yeah. Like it had this great momentum mm. in the in the graphic. Yeah. And and this That's is true. is not quite this these are all dead ends mm -hmm. on this on this graphic in the shepherd which which, you know, might need to be 
tweaked. Right. You know, I, I think about that, you know, Harold Rosenberg quote about um, artists really, they're, that they're influenced by critics and collectors and mm. writers and gallery owners in only the most fleeting ways and really artists influence other artists mm. most powerfully. Mm. And mm-hmm. there's this part of me that just wishes that they would take all of the non-artists out of here and <laughs> just focus on the artists. Like that might be one way mm. to do this. I yeah. don't know. Right, because that speaks to a kind of, I don't know, maybe it's difficult to think about what kind, we were talking earlier about what kinds of influences, you know. Right. Um, People who are a little more silent but may carry a little more weight. Right. Um, And that's hard to visualize. It's hard to differentiate. Yeah, different mm-hmm. lines of influence, and I and I like the idea too, which was in the MoMA chart of having deeper lines or stronger lines, right. that kind of thing. Certain names mm-hmm. in red. It reminds me of Mark Lombardi's drawings. Remember, he, oh, he had yeah. all these codes for like, okay, the dotted line right. would be this, and this, right. the two arrows going this way went that. Mm-hmm. Like you know, those mm-hmm. were really something like that. Right. There needs to be a key. There needs you know? to be a key. Right. Dotted needs line. To be more complexity <laughs> for sure. Um, you're, and you're right. It's a really good question, Jen. So, I you know when you think about I don't know if this is probably an unfair question to ask, but, yeah. you know, who do you guys think are kind of at the mm. crossroads of important mm. ideas in Milwaukee? And are they people that have lots of connections or mm. not? You know, um, one person that naturally comes to mind is David Robbins. You know, mm. David Robbins is incredibly influential mm-hmm. here in Milwaukee amongst a certain group of people anyway. But he's not somebody who talks to a million people. You right. know, he would not have a lot of lines mm-hmm. on this graph. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so how, how about you guys? I mean, who, when you mm-hmm. think about the hubs, influential, creative hubs, um, who are some of the people that come to mind for you? Hmm. Oh, that's such a hard question. It is hard. Isn't it? <laughs> it is a hard question. I, I want to say, without naming any names, that personally right now I'm interested in people who Oh, come on, you name know. a few names. <laughs> Go, Deb, you can do it. I don't know. I, I can't mean, do it. We make I, a p- commitment to proper can, nouns I on the show. I don't know if I can do it. I, you I know, know I'm interested in the people who are connecting the dots in fresh ways. Yeah. Artists who are doing projects and maybe working with people who you might not expect them to work with, mm-hmm. who are branching out, who are, you know, reaching across some of the demographics mm-hmm. be it location or mm-hmm. age mm-hmm. or you know type of art or art genre and and kind of mixing it up and i can't you know i don't want to really name any names right now but it seems like that's happening more lately mm-hmm. and there are you know yeah. there are organizations that bring people together they may not be influential in terms of their ideas but they're influential in terms of just being Gathering conduits, right. conduits, right? Yeah, yeah. Little, little creating opportunities, right. right? Exactly. Yeah, and there are right. lots of those popping up all mm-hmm. the time. For I sure. can list. Um, okay, Ashley Janky, yeah. who's on on this map, has been somebody who works collaboratively and um, seems to move her ideas around in, mm-hmm. in with this show that I mentioned, the Martha Wilson show. She mm-hmm. did a project at Portrait Society. She she extended it to Innova. She extended it to a gallery in River West, and then to the Linden Garden. Mm-hmm. So if you you know th- that those are a lot of little hops all mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. geographically all around the city. Right. So I think those are the the people, the conduits, and the artists who um, are going to be doing really interesting things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing James said we will see as time goes on a little bit too is that. Because um, I asked him this question, of course, and he said that there are a lot of people who are 
as you say, kind of working with less. They're in kind of a DIY mode. They don't have a lot of resources, um, but they're creating influence in entirely new ways. I think mm -hmm. of artists like um, Sarah Luther, for example, mm -hmm. who's just kind of everywhere. And, mm -hmm. and as you say, she's, she's crossing these places of divide within the city. She's going into neighborhoods where, you know, that are not hot spots for galleries and art seeing and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and that those people True. are kind of surfacing in some of uh -huh. his research. Maybe yeah. that's the best thing that will come out of this if we start to see some visually some of the divides mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it might inspire all of us to, you know, yeah. Get in our little rowboat and, right. and row over to the performance right. people. Or, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, take a little wooden, pa you know, path through the woods over yeah. to the, um, mm -hmm. you know, David Drake and whatever mm -hmm. he does. You know, I've always, I have to say, I've always personally thought that of Milwaukee as these circles of, that had these kind of overlapping orbits. I've mm -hmm. always felt that mm -hmm. they were close to each other, mm -hmm. that they weren't necessarily that far apart, that if you were in Circle A, you know, you could find a person who knew a person and, and get pretty right. easy access to somebody over in Circle C. Right. Um, you know, I, I just read this book this year called um, The Age of Insight. Have you, either yeah. of you read this book? It's mm. by, um, I forget his name. Um, it, it's uh, written by a Nobel laureate um, mm. who's a neuroscientist. Mm -hmm. And he wrote about kind of the, the he told the story of modernism. Mm -hmm. And he specifically looked at Vienna in the 20th century. And one of the things that came out of this was the ways in which scientists, you know, and yeah. artists, and all of these various different kinds of thinkers mm -hmm. found each other in Vienna, and the reason mm -hmm. that so much, you know, that was such a hotbed for thinking in the right. early years of modernism, because it was a small city. Right. Mm -hmm. It was not. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen in Berlin. Didn't right. happen in Paris because they had more coffee shops and mm -hmm. more universities. And yeah. Vienna exactly. is this contained place where people just inherently, like you know, right. atoms bumping into each other right. more and more. Right. You know, find each other, and I. It made me think a lot about Milwaukee right. and the scale of this place right. and the way that that does happen here. I definitely think that. I mean, mm -hmm. coming from a bigger city and moving here, I was really struck by how easy it was really lovely, you know, to e either have people come seek me out mm -hmm. or just to be able to make a phone call or knock on someone's door and really start doing really interesting work or talking to people who are doing interesting work. Mm -hmm. And I do think it happens in cities that are this size versus, you know, other larger cities. Um, and I and I think also, you know, you were talking about this, the influence, not only within the art community, and I think that, you know, this would probably make a more complicated map or like the yeah. second layer of the map. But I think there are a lot of interesting conversations that happen between artists and non-artists mm -hmm. that influence each other all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, well, you're working with scientists. I'm right working now with scientists yourself. right now. And yeah. I'm trying and I'm trying to, you know, make connections that are just even outside of the art world. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think that this speaks to even the possibilities, even if that's not visualized in this map. Yeah. It speaks to these wider influences that might occur, you know, in other parts of our city that we don't necessarily, necessarily think of as art-centric. Yeah. So I have one last question for both of you. Mm -hmm. um, I'll try to answer it maybe myself, too. But, um, you know, I just wonder how hard it is to describe your mm -hmm art circle. So if, if somebody, if James came to you, and I bet he will, because he really wants everyone to do oh, this. Um, I'm not on the map. <laughs> I know. And I'm we exempt. should say, Jen Jennifer's not on the map. We're officially lodging a complaint right now. Um, I, I think, are you, I think Deborah is on the map Deborah. twice. Though, I thought so I that's saw her good. twice. Yes. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm in Karin Wolf's balloon. You of, are. Of friends, which yeah. makes me really happy. Um, but if, if I had to sit down and describe my 
art circle, it would break my head wide open. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't know. When you think about the people you're connected to on Facebook, the people you know through the gallery scene, mm-hmm. your friends, like I wouldn't know how to create a hierarchy of, yeah. you know, my friends and to describe that circle. How, how about you? I think it'd be really difficult because you would have to, I mean, oftentimes you're not even sure. You, you know, you bump into someone in the street or you have a conversation that might be in person, it might be over Facebook or something, and you're not even really sure in those moments what that influence is going to be. And it might come out in a really interesting way. So I think for me, just probably because my memory is horrible, it'd be really difficult to compile a list of people, you know, that might be around the world or are around the world. Mm-hmm. So um, your circle is mostly, it's, some somewhat rooted here, but you have somewhat. colleagues that you're in dealing with very specific issues. So very you're they're really issues. around the world, right? Right, and it, and it shifts, you know, project to project, and that's something that's interesting too. I think, right? Mm-hmm. It's like in a particular, it'd be a particular moment in time. Right now, mm-hmm. my network seems to be very far away. Yes. Um, in the past, it's been closer to home. Yeah. So, how about you? I mean, Deb, you've been this very long time yeah. observer. Of, I don't know many people who know the art scene as well as you do or or who are as connected. So, I mean, could you even begin to sketch out your, no, s- your art circle? I would have such a hard time. Um, but I was just thinking that maybe the question should be, who have you connected with in the past six months? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and narrow it down and, and chart that information. Maybe that would be more revealing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what he's doing. Oh, actually. is it? Yeah, really like oh, who are the people constraint? you're having the really critical conversations with in the last six months to a year? Oh, I believe oh. is how he's asking. That might be a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, those conversations are always influenced by older conversations mm-hmm. and right. connections and, right. and and that kind of thing. But um, it would be difficult. It yeah. really would. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it there, ladies. Thank you so much for coming thank in to you. talk about thank you. Art Circles today. Fun. Next up, Adam Carr talks to Fred Stonehouse, who has just curated a show filled with tattoo-inspired art for the Tory Fulliard Gallery. Fred, a Wisconsin native, has been making paintings filled with strange and wonderful leaking creatures for years. He's had a long and successful career. Today, Adam talks to Fred about his very earliest art experiences. All right, let me ask you this. What was your first real art experience? Uh, this is going to be sort of a meandering answer. I actually have been saying this lately because I, I for <clears throat> some reason in, in, in uh, lectures, I tried to nail it down. I was trying to, because I was talking about like what my impulse, what drives my, my practice, you know, like what drives my interest in art. And, and I nailed it down to two very early childhood uh, episodes and and the one is my first art impulse and then the second is my first art act I think that I can identify and the first art impulse so when I was about I was so young that I didn't even have pockets in my shorts yet so how old does that make you like four ish right this is 1964 I guess and I was in uh, what was the equivalent of sort of Target or Kmart at the time a big box store in Milwaukee and it was known it was called Atlantic Spartan that and Morway and Arlen's were these, these were the early big box stores in Milwaukee in the 50s and 60s. So I was there with my mom and we were shopping around and she's picking up, I don't know what, like some t-shirts for my dad. 
some you know underwear for my sisters or dresses or something. I don't know. And we, we happened to walk by the toy department. And on an end cap, there was a little bin full of these beautiful little multicolored, they looked like they were hand-painted little dinosaur figures. And they, they were like 19 cents or something. I don't know what they were. But there was this one in particular, a little stegosaurus. And, you know, maybe it was an inch long. And I pulled it out. And I'm like, Mom, 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 can I get this? And she's like, oh, put that down. Don't be stupid. And then she walked away. And I was standing there with no pockets in my shorts. No, you know, I knew, like, already at four, stealing was wrong, right? But it was like, this was, like, beyond morality. This was like, I had to have this thing. I like, it wasn't because I wanted to play with dinosaurs. I, like, responded to this thing as an art object. It was, like, the most beautiful thing I had ever seen up until that point in my life. So I know where to stick it, so I just stuck it in my mouth and then ran off after my mom, right? So I'm following my mom around the store, and she's chattering away at me. I don't know what she's talking about, but obviously I'm not responding because I have a stegosaurus in my mouth. So we go through to checkout, and we get in the car, and we're about to pull away, and my mom notices that I've just been kind of doing one of those, hmm, mm-hmm, you know, not answering. And she realizes there's something in my mouth. She's like, what's in your mouth? And she reaches in and pulls out this slimy little stegosaurus and then marches me back in the store and in humiliation, I have to return it, right? But I remember now thinking back like that was the first time I responded. I think that's the first time. And I can think of episodes like that over my early childhood, but that was the first time that, I, I had this feeling like this wasn't just a pleasant thing or something I like. This was like like life or death. I, I was willing to sacrifice, you know, some status or my freedom or punishment in order to have this thing. Like it was that powerful visual experience. And then uh, maybe two years later, I was, uh, my grandmother, we, I grew up in a house that didn't have lots of books, but every family had encyclopedia sets. We had, my grandmother had a really old set of encyclopedias that were filled with these beautiful chromolithographs. And in the, uh, the sort of frontispiece, those like interleaving the papers in the front of the book, of the S volume had an image of Saturn plunging into the sea. And it was just the most haunting sort of surreal match. I mean, these terms didn't mean anything to me at that age. I just knew it was like this magical image. But it was a very strange image. And every time I'd go to my grandmother's house, I'd immediately run there, pull out the S volume, and just stare at this thing. Well, one day I was in there by myself. I don't know where my dad was in the kitchen talking to my grandma or something. And I happened to have my like favorite, you know, like teal colored crayon with me. And, um, and I staged this sort of, you know, I was sitting there with this crayon in my hand, like knowing again, like this is wrong. But I somehow I knew that if I acted on that image, like, you know, intervened with my own hand, that it was like a way of possessing that image. And, and I think that was actually my, I mean, I had drawn prior to that, but I think that was my first actual art act where I had somehow tied that impulse of like real passion about an image and like love and this sort of almost like possessiveness, like needing to own it with, with the act of using a, you know, marking. Uh, so the, I think that was my first art thing. And then my dad walked in the room and saw me coloring my grandmother's book and I think beat me into unconsciousness. I don't remember what happened. And I assume I blacked out from the beating I got, but uh, yeah, that was the end of that. This has been Art City on WMSC, a half-hour radio show about art, architecture, and urban design. This is Mary Louise Schumacher of the Journal Sentinel. I was joined today by Jennifer Johung, a contemporary art and architecture historian at UWM, and Deborah Bremer, owner of the Portrait Society Gallery in Milwaukee. 
Art City has been produced and edited by Adam Carr with production assistance from Don Moore. Our executive producer is Ryan Schleicher of WMSC. For more about Art City, go to jsonline.com slash artcity. Thanks so much for listening.